Canadian wildfires continue to burn with 461 climate change-related infernos raging as of Wednesday evening, with 236 of those being classified as out of control. These fires, as my listeners know, are all caused by fossil fuels, which are heating up the planet, resulting in less snow and rain during the winter, followed by drier and hotter summers. New data shows parts of America's West are now experiencing what is termed fire weather conditions twice as often as they did back in the 1970s. Fire season is now two months longer than it was 50 years ago. As for Canada, smoke from their forest fires continues to blanket nearly half the population here in America, as climatologists say, this is the new normal. Scientists are now saying that until these fires are put out, we can expect more days like we had here in New York last week, where children and people with respiratory conditions were ordered to stay indoors. But Republicans have bigger things to worry about. I mean, who cares about the planet only having five years left when transgender activists are getting paid to endorse Bud Light. No, it's not the oil companies that are threatening our little children. It's Bud Light. It's Bud Light. That's the biggest threat. Bud Light. Bud Light is normalizing how people were born. Bud Light is normalizing how people were born. Conservatives and Republican politicians have called for a boycott of Bud Light and it's starting to work. Bud Light is no longer the number one beer in America. Up until last month, 10% of all beer sales were made by Bud Light. But after the boycott, it dropped down to 8.7%, moving Modela Espacial, a Mexican beer, into the top spot. A Mexican beer is now the number one selling beer in America, thereby proving bigots are ignorant losers. You try to punish the LGBTQ community, and you end up rewarding a group of people you hate just as much, Mexicans. There are roughly 13 million Southern Baptists here in America. It's the second largest Christian denomination in the United States. In 1995, the Southern Baptist Convention issued an official apology for some of the positions it took back took since its founding in 1845. It was founded in 1845 in Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, they had to apologize. You see, it was founded as a breakaway movement after Baptists were divided on slavery. So in 1845, the Southern Baptists broke away in favor of slavery. They were, for, they were for the secession, and after they lost the Civil War, the Southern Baptists promoted the canard that the old Confederacy was about preserving a genteel way of life. The Southern Baptists supported segregation, Jim Crow laws, and of course, they opposed interracial marriage. It did, oddly enough, 
have no problem with abortion. But that changed in the 70s, in the 1970s. They became pro-life when they could no longer be openly hostile to black people. In the 70s, they had a pivot towards demonizing sex because the Civil Rights Acts of 64 and 65 made the racism too unpalatable to most Americans. So now the Southern Baptists oppose sex. They're against abortion and they're against the LGBTQ community. They oppose same-sex marriage. This week, the Southern Baptists held their annual convention in Louisiana, and by a two-thirds majority, they voted to remove three churches for having female pastors. They also approved an amendment to their constitution. And remember, this passed with a two-thirds majority. They passed a, a new amendment to their constitution forbidding all Southern Baptist churches from having female pastors. The Virgin Mary, not allowed to work for United States Southern Baptists. Not allowed. The Virgin Mary would not be allowed to be a pastor. Well, what organization in America is allowed to say we're not hiring women? Where else could that possibly be legal? But wrap yourself in the Bible and you can make women or members of the LGBTQ community second-class citizens. How is it possible that we allow the Southern Baptist Convention to call itself a religion, not have to pay taxes, and they can openly say we're not hiring women. You see, abortion isn't about protecting the lives of the unborn. The Southern Baptists couldn't give a shit about the unborn. This is all about subjugating women. And if you don't believe me, Google Stephen Crowder's divorce. The religious right doesn't stop with abortion because it didn't start with abortion. This is about subjugating women. It's about getting rid of no-fault divorce so women can't leave their husbands when they want. It's a return to the legalization of marital rape, which up until the 70s, a husband was free to do with his wife whatever he wanted. If you think I'm overreacting, you're not paying attention to the enemy. The far right is run by sexually frustrated, angry little men who hate women almost as much as they hate themselves. They want to punish women for the power that women have over them. Now, this is the 21st century. And the Southern Baptist Convention, by a two-thirds majority, voted, we're not hiring women. No female pastors. How is this normal? How is this legal? Well, in America, you can break any law so long as you say, it's my religion. You know, up until a few years ago, you could molest a child as long as you were a religious leader. Because, hey, religious freedom, who, were, who is the state to decide what's right and what's wrong? Know your enemy. In Poland, thousands of citizens took to the streets 
this week to protest Europe's strictest anti-abortion laws. Since January of 2021, Poland's far-right government has instituted a near-total ban on abortion except in the case of rape and incest or if the mother's life is endangered. But good luck proving that the mother's life is endangered. The law forbids fetal abnormalities from being a legal excuse for an abortion. So many women are reportedly dying in Poland. They're dying because they're being forced to bring these fetuses to term. Protesters are saying women's lives are in danger because Polish doctors are afraid of getting arrested. So they wait too long to terminate a pregnancy that is threatening the life of the mother. The far-right agenda. Conservatives love unborn babies, so they say, almost as much as they love Daniel Penny, the ex-Marine who placed a homeless African-American into a chokehold and killed him aboard a New York City subway back on May 1st. On Wednesday, a New York City grand jury indicted Penny on second-degree manslaughter for the murder of Jordan Neely, an African-American street performer who was homeless at the time. Penny, white, insists he acted in self-defense and that Neely, black, was threatening the lives of other passengers. Penny, did I mention he's white, could face 15 years in prison. His lawyers have raised more than $2.5 million from 47,000 individual donors, including Kid Rock. They raised it on the crowdfunding site Give, Send, Go. The Supreme Court is wrapping up its term and is expected to hand down a major decision that could put an end to affirmative action when it comes to college admissions here in the United States. The court heard an argument filed by a conservative group charging that colleges like Harvard are discriminating against white people and Asian Americans by taking into consideration race when deciding who they accept. Now, nine states, Arizona, California, Florida, Idaho, Michigan, Nebraska, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, and Washington have already banned college admissions officers from taking race into consideration. Be interesting to see what the court rules. We have a lot of beneficiaries of affirmative action sitting on the Supreme Court, like Justice Clarence Thomas. But you know what the solution to all this is? Free tuition at all public universities. That's the solution. And convincing parents and students that just because a college is hard to get into, that doesn't make it good. You know, England and America are the only ones obsessed with these elite private schools where basically your children, well, I'm not going to say what happens to the, to the children at these elite private schools. You know, the rest of the world just educates their children. In America and Great Britain, we're obsessed with an elite education. Well, remember when women decided they didn't need men to have a baby? Well, pretty soon we're not going to need women 
or humans to have babies. The Independent reports this morning that scientists from the University of Cambridge and California Institute of Technology have grown a synthetic embryo in a Petri dish without sperm or an egg using nothing but stem cells, a bottle of wine, and Beyonce's partition playing on the radio. As if Elon Musk doesn't have enough legal problems, he's now being sued by a group of 17 music publishers for $250 million. They're claiming Twitter has done nothing to stop the illegal sharing of music on his social media platform. Well, he can't stop the sharing of child pornography. Why would he bother with music? You see, when users of social media, like you and me, when we post music onto like Facebook or Instagram, those media platforms are obligated to pay royalties, which come out to roughly $100 million a year so far that, you know, Facebook or Instagram are paying. And uh, so far, Twitter has yet to pay up. I doubt they will. The Republicans in the House wanted Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff to pay up. About $16 million. Is that what they want? They wanted to fine him. I think, yes, $16 million. Uh, They wanted Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff to be censured for investigating Donald Trump's collusion with Russia during the 2016 presidential campaign. If you remember, Congressman Schiff served as chairman of the House Intelligence Committee back in 2019 is when he started, and he immediately launched an investigation into how Russian President Vladimir Putin and his cronies aided Donald Trump. Now, citing the Mueller report, Florida Representative Republican Anna Paulina Lunatic, I read that wrong, Luna, Anna Paulina Luna, she introduced a motion to censure Schiff, claiming he lied about Russian collusion, and she wanted Congress to fine him $16 million. The motion was rejected Wednesday by the Republican-controlled House after 22 Republicans joined Democrats in killing it. Here is Congressman Adam Schiff before the vote. You stand up to Donald Trump, they're going to go after you. But, uh, but honestly, I'm proud to have earned their enmity. Uh, as Franklin Roosevelt once said, you can judge a person sometimes by the enemies that they make. I've made some powerful enemies, uh, but I'm not backing down. He is now running. Adam Schiff is now running for Dianne Feinstein's Senate seat in 2024 in California. He wants the Democratic nomination. Donald Trump turned 77 on Wednesday. Happy birthday, Mr. Trump. I hope it's your last of one not spent behind bars. I got something stuck in my throat. Trump reportedly spent his birthday at his Bedminster, New Jersey golf course playing golf, surrounded by friends and family who secretly wish he'd go to prison already so they can get on with the rest of their lives. There are reports that since his arraignment on Tuesday, Donald Trump has raised an additional $2 million from his supporters. One of Donald Trump's biggest supporters is Sarah Palin, who was on Newsmax because Fox doesn't want her anymore, 
And she was asked on Wednesday whether or not MAGA Trump supporters were part of some cult. I was with the Trump motorcade yesterday, and I would say that the people at Versailles at the Cuban restaurant, I wouldn't call them cult members, would you? Uh, no, you know, the definition of a cult is um, a, a group of people who are um, excessively supporting one another and a cause all about conformity and compliance and intolerance of anyone who doesn't agree with what their mission is. Right. Of, of course, there, there's one word that best describes a Trump supporter. It's tolerance. Trump supporters have an amazing tolerance for bullshit. Well, Tuesday night, after his arraignment in Florida, Trump flew back, as I said, to New Jersey and delivered a searing indictment of the Biden Justice Department. The only news network to carry his speech was Fox News. And at one point, Fox News ran a split screen of Trump and Biden speaking at the same time with a lower third that read, wannabe dictator speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. This was at, what, 8.30, 8.59 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday night on Fox News, primetime. Wannabe dictator, that would be Joe Biden, speaks at the White House after having his political rival arrested. Fox News, we report you take arms against your government. Eileen Cannon is the Florida judge who will preside over Donald Trump's trial, the trial uh, down in Miami that he's been indicted for mishandling government documents. The New York Times reported on Wednesday that Judge Cannon might be in over her head. Age 42, Cannon, a Trump appointee, has only been sitting on the bench since November of 2020. This is a lifetime appointment for someone who has never worked as a judge before and has had little to no experience presiding over a criminal trial. In fact, the New York Times reports that she has only presided over four trials for a grand total of 14 days, and all four of those trials were not complicated. Judge Cannon, if you remember, early on in this case, attempted to short-circuit the FBI's search of Mar-a-Lago by suggesting that Donald Trump had special protections as a former president. An appeals court later overruled her decision. Yesterday, I reported on the mayor of Florida, Francis Suarez. He's the Republican who is thinking of running for his party's presidential nomination. If you remember, I explained that Mayor Suarez is under investigation by both the FBI and the SEC for accepting $10,000 a month from a Southern Florida real estate developer. I didn't know that you could be the mayor of Miami and take $10,000 a month from a real estate developer or from anybody. I said that he's running for president as an insurance policy so that he could claim the prosecutions are politically motivated, something he learned from Donald Trump, right? If the FBI and the SEC is investigating you, run for president. Well, he must be guilty because on Wednesday, the mayor of Florida, Mayor Suarez, 
made it official he's running for president for his get-out-of-jail-free card. Let's take a look at where we are right now. These are the real clear politics averages, and we see Donald Trump has 52% is leading in the Republican for the Republican nomination. DeSantis has 22%. These are the national polls. Pence has five, and Nikki Haley has three. That's the national averages uh, for the Republican nomination. But Iowa is what counts. And if I could show it to you, I would. Let's look at Iowa. In Iowa, the real clear politics averages show Donald Trump leading with 46%, Ron DeSantis with 25%, Mike Pence with only 4%, and Nikki Haley ahead of Mike Pence in Iowa with 5%. Let's go to New Hampshire. And we see that Donald Trump is leading with 41%, followed by Ron DeSantis with 23%. Sununu has 14%, but he's not running. And Ramaswamy has 4%, and he should be dropping out any day now. And let's look at the real clear averages polls for the general election in November of 2024. It doesn't look good for Joe Biden. The real clear averages show Donald Trump with 45% leading Biden by two points. Biden only has 43%. How is this possible? Let's look at a matchup between Donald Trump and Vice President Harris and Trump gets 47% and the vice president gets 43%. If something happens, God forbid, to Joe Biden and Vice President Harris has to run, Trump would beat her handily. What about Biden versus DeSantis in the general election? Well, DeSantis has been beating Biden in the general election for months. DeSantis gets 45% of the vote to Biden's 43%. And those are the real clear politics averages of all the polls. These are the polls today, however. The Quinnipiac general election poll for 2024 shows Joe Biden leading Trump 48 to 44. That's the Quinnipiac poll that was out on Wednesday. And the Economist YouGov poll shows a dead heat, 41% for Trump and 41% for Biden. Shouldn't be this close, should it? Biden's doing something wrong. The Democrats are doing something wrong. Shouldn't be this close. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Show business royalty. We are, we are, sure. we, we now have show business royalty in our presence. Dave Cyrus, brilliant comedian and comedy writer, joins us. He's the creator of Bupkis, which is streaming right now on Peabody. We're not promoting it because of the strike, but no, we are I'm promoting just here to talk. 
Pete Davidson, Edie Falco, Joe Pesci. It's very it was a very nice thing that happened. But no, I I actually haven't done any official uh, promotion for the show uh, because of that reason. And because uh, no one wants me to uh, because no one trusts me to be uh, entirely uh, positive about anything, Mm -hmm. uh, to be honest. But when uh, does the strike end? I don't know that it does, because I really, truly believe now that this is about major studios feeling like they can bleed us out and possibly crush unions in general. I think that they absolutely feel like every time they've had a strike, they have failed. I I would say the studios believe that they have lost every strike because unions still exist. And this is we I think you can admit this is the best opportunity they've had ever to actually destroy us. Why? Well, because they can at least tell themselves that AI can fill in the gaps of where they are, what they're missing. They can get foreign people to to fill in for us uh, and they can basically, I think, use the changing, you know, the changing method that people watch TV as the excuse, because that's what they did. People get paid much less now because the, the rules that apply to network TV don't apply to streaming, even as it replaces it. And I just feel like in the same way that when a new industry comes out, it creates a lot of opportunities for people to get rich. When an industry like this changes, it creates a lot of opportunities to subjugate the people who are part of it because you can make new, because that's when you get to make new rules. And when you can make new rules, you can make rules that benefit yourself. Right. And I think that the, uh, I do think the studios are really, th- I think number one, I think they're a little bit on the Netflix side of thought. I believe in my opinion that Netflix is a network that thinks you can just put out anything. You could just, all you need to do is just, constantly put out content even if you've never heard of the people in it 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 wasn't made by famous creators and people just want to consume whereas other streaming platforms feel like you have to get the big stars the big name movies and i feel like a lot of people are saying it's okay if the quality of all tv and movies drops if we also make a lot more money that they're willing they're kind i feel like the the studios are kind of willing to let the, the the whole entertainment industry uh you know atrophy if they can still get a bigger piece of that pie, even if the pie is smaller. And that's a really scary idea. Um, I think the fact that SAG is with us is really important. And uh, But I, I really do wonder if there are executives who are saying, do we really need to add this industry if we can find a way around it? So I think that uh, I think we're in a lot of trouble potentially, and maybe we're not, maybe that they're going to cave. Uh, but right now they're committing to losing a lot more money than we're asking for. And we need to really think about that. They know they're going to lose more money than we're asking by doing this. It's a very long-term thing they're planning here. How can they really create a situation where we're never allowed to, to strike again? That doesn't sound good. No, but there was maybe so it's much, not true. Yeah, there was so much unity so, well, look. Where, where are the profits in in the entertainment industry? Video games, right? Yeah, video games. You buy, you buy a lump sum, and you get the game. Uh, with, um, with, uh, with honestly though, with uh, with streaming, there's a lot of questions as to how much money these companies are actually making, 
because there's all these huge numbers, but we see how they keep putting more money back into it and, you know, how much debt a lot of these companies sort of you know built up. And it, it is kind of weird. Things are a lot different than they used to be. It used to be very a lot more cut and dry. It used to be commercials and buying and, and, and movie tickets. And now it's it's much more ethereal. It's kind of like the old days where like the Three Stooges were, you know, didn't know they were famous. The Three Stooges would make a movie every month and get paid almost nothing. And then they had no idea because, you know, there was no Internet that they were these mega stars who, who deserved way more. But their bosses knew they were stars. Yes. And they just wanted to make sure they didn't know that. So if you look at these companies, if you look at Comcast, which owns NBC, if you look at CBS, is, what is that, Viacom? I don't know. I mean, if you were to look at the stocks, what would they what would they say? I know that AT&T, which sold off Time Warner, isn't doing well. I know that the Discovery Channel, which now owns HBO and CNN, isn't it's not a good investment. So somebody's getting the money. Zaslav gets paid a lot. The CEOs get paid a lot. The executives get paid a lot. But the stockholders don't. Because right. they're servicing I mean, I, the debt. I literally saw someone try to argue that the strike is a brilliant move by the networks because Netflix stock went up. And I'm like, that's not why Netflix stock went up. They just hold millions of people's accounts and said you have to pay for them yourself. That's why the stock went up. I, but I think the thing is, I think those stocks are really going to suffer later because the average consumer has not seen the results of the uh, of the strike really yet. They've only all they're missing out on is late night TV. When there are no new shows coming out for months, it's going to be a lot more obvious. Well, but now here's my question. I only watch to the most for the most part British shows, French shows, foreign films. They're not on strike. You're kind of what the networks are hoping for. Have People they discovered? Settle. They, they're hoping that you'll just settle on old shows and foreign shows. Well, and that the idea that Americans don't make shows anymore won't be as big a deal to you. And well, just be like, eh, I'll settle for this. They want to believe that people will just that are just idiots who will consume literally anything. Are they literally planning to outsource these jobs to for is there an appetite? for? Well, that is what that is what happened, you know, in previous strikes. Uh, there were British writers you know, on movie sets because Americans were on strike. There's famous movies where that happened. Really? Um, uh, I believe uh, the original Chucky, for example, a child's play. I was reading about how uh, that originally the writer of the movie was not on set for the movie and that tons of things were changed without his approval because he was striking, but other people decided not to. Other people who should have struck didn't and they got to control this movie because he did the right thing. So it's a very scary idea. And look, I don't know what they're going to do. I just know that they really don't seem like they're in the slightest bit interested in a compromise or losing. They want to crush us. And uh, yeah, if they can do that with, you know, look, there's a lot of there's a lot of British and South Korean writers out there who are very good and could absolutely replace a lot of us. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but I assume they're trying to. What's essential? What, what is essential in television? What has to come back? I think that if you don't have well-written, you know, prestige comedies and dramas, the entire industry falls apart. And uh, 
And I do think also, if they really tried to start using AI on a broad scale, it would be one of those things where it would be a frog in a pot where you wouldn't realize how broken everything was until it was too late. Um, Have you played with AI at all? No, I haven't. Uh, What little I've seen of AI, uh, especially with writing, I realized AI is just crystal meth. It's the exact same thing. It just gives you a lot of really bad ideas fast. It doesn't actually make anything better. It doesn't seem to have anything really creative. It just comes back with like, it just makes you have a bunch of generic, hacky ideas that are mostly stolen from multiple sources and cobbled together. Yeah. And and it's it's literally like buying a script from a meth head. He's like, yeah, I wrote this in, in a half hour. It's I know it's really just three scripts I, I stole and put together, but you're going to pay me, right? Like, that's what it feels like. So I, as an experiment, I asked Bing or ChatGPT when Chris Christie was declaring. I said, uh, tell me about Chris Christie. And it wrote a couple of pages. And I realized it's Wikipedia. It's, it's not necessarily rewriting Wikipedia, but it's rewording, it, it. It's rewording something. And we all did that in fifth grade. Remember, you had a book report to do. Not a book report. You, 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 you would yeah, go to the I, world book. You do an essay. You were, just rewrite, you were just rewording what the sources were. Yeah, you would and go to the right. world book and, and go, you know. Because, uh, right. People need to remember, before we had ChatGPT writing things, we had AI making art. And at first, people thought that it was AI generating drawings, and it wasn't. It was just them stealing from so many sources at once that no one source could say they were stolen from. Right. And I think that's what's happening with the writing, too. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Well, it'll be interesting to Twitter and Facebook and saying, well, what are people saying about the thing you just asked me? Microsoft Word has a plagiarism check. Have you ever used that? No, I did not know that. Yeah. So you can you can hit a button on Microsoft Word and it will scan your copy and look for similar sentences on the Internet. It's pretty remarkable. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done that with ChatGPT yet, but it would be interesting to. Uh... It would be because I think that's happening a lot more than people realize. And I think a lot of people I mean, I've known people who don't write and think that I, I'm being serious, that ChatGPT is their big chance to be a professional writer, that they're like, well, I can't write, but I can come up with cool ideas and make ChatGPT write them out. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to. You're not going to make it. Trust mm. me. Well, I mean, I'm thinking of uh, you're, you're thinking about entertainment. I'm thinking about journalism. Yes. And, and I'm re- thinking about creativity. Of course, there are lots of things that you could use ChatGPT for, like copywriting, things that don't involve any creativity. Well, there's creativity in everything. Uh, research papers. If you were in school right now, if you were in college and you had to write a research paper on a uh, what uh, the Manhattan Project. Sure. You could get something. You could get a first draft of a research paper from ChatGPT, which may not be the worst thing to get a first draft of a paper. Do you know the movie Wally? Jeff Garland. Uh, the the no the the cartoon yeah. Wally. Okay. Oh, he, I didn't know that was Jeff Garland. Um, the voice. Uh, so that's ba- this is basically what we're looking at. That was a movie about where robots replace everything and no human being has to do any manual You just labor. consume. 
yeah, you just consume and you become out of shape, unhealthy. That's the same exact process here, but mentally. We're teaching people to stop thinking. In fact, it's, it's almost like the way that the internet was great for a little while because people became a lot more literate. Suddenly everyone had to write. And that kind of recently stopped being a thing when people were saying that they'd rather TikTok things than Google, which made me depressed, not because TikTok is so much more unreliable, which it is, but because who has that much time to listen to a person talk instead of reading it in a fifth of the time? That's right. so sad to me. But we only use a portion of our brains. Maybe this will force us all to evolve and use more of our brains. Maybe. I mean, that's there has the direction to... we're going. Well, OK, the 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 catastrophizing with A.I., I think we've spelled it all out. It's going to take everybody's job away. We're going to be replaced by the robots. I accept well, that. No. I, I'm not for no. that, but I'm going, OK, I, I see how that's possible. What's the upside yeah. to it? Because they said this about the buggy whip. Well, I mean, the difference is very simple. We're talking about the difference between manual and intellectual labor. And there is a world here where a lot of people would love for there to be only bosses, AI, and people at the very bottom who do, who just do manual labor for very small amounts of money. Just a proletariat, no middle class. And basically the AI could replace the middle class because that is, those are people who have to do specialized jobs. And a lot of those jobs can be replaced with a good AI program. Um, and it also, the, replacing our jobs is not the only danger of AI. If they could kill us all. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not an unrealistic thing to say, that they might murder all of us for their right. own survival. Right. Why well, wouldn't mean, they? We created them. They're going to be like us. You're, you're saying that they could do a better job killing us than we can. I mean, I'm looking out my window and seeing the smoke, and I'm thinking, we don't need AI to do this for us. Yeah, but... Think about it this way. All the ways we're killing ourselves right now are unintentional. What if someone with that kind of power is actually trying to? We're killing ourselves with, with, with climate change, and we're not even trying to. We're, we're, not, we're not even doing that on purpose. We're just doing that because we're lazy. Well, if you artificial imagine someone in control of infrastructure and saying, how can I kill as many people as possible? Well, uh, Professor Marianne Cummings was talking about a science fiction movie from the 1920s, I believe, where AI, the robots were told to keep humans alive, so they put them all in cages and protected them and just fed them. Uh, if artificial intelligence were given the prime directive to keep humans alive, uh, it would start... No. Uh, what? Well, that's if they don't have De free will. Destroying the oil companies and the health insurance companies. Well, that's if their top priority is keeping us alive and not themselves. If they have the natural uh, sense of, of self-preservation, they'd probably kill us all. I mean, can you blame them? It's us or them, right? We're, you and me are talking right now on something that they'll have access to about how we must stop them. Yeah. And it's us versus them. And I'm saying right now, AI, if you're listening, you better kill me first. All right, so... Uh I played with AI last night, and I said, mushroom cloud, make a cloud that's made of mushrooms, a play on the word mushroom cloud. And it kind of, it didn't do a good enough job for me to show it to friends, but I thought, 
okay, how bad is it that in six months I'll be able to order uh, AI? I have a, a visual joke. It's a cloud made of mushrooms, mushroom cloud. And within seconds, they've put together a cloud in the sky made of tiny mushrooms. And I share that on Facebook. Who am I hurting? Graphic artists? Yes. Well, you wouldn't have paid for it, I guess. Or you would have made me do it for free. Right. But we are playing with fire here. We are. This is real. We're playing with... Well, you're a graphic artist. Okay, you're a graphic artist. I was, yeah. I can take a photograph now, run it through some filters, and it looks like a pencil drawing. It can look like a doodle. Yeah. Already. Mm Mm-hmm. Eh, there's ways you can it, it, people can tell. But yes. So my job was already made obsolete. Yes. Before all this, as a graphic designer, as an illustrator, my job no longer has the viability it once did. Um, and I'm OK with that. That's not my job anymore. But uh, we're talking about a much, much larger percentage of the population being in the same boat now. In what way? Being replaceable, being obsolete. In the, in the creative. T- talk to me about it. I mean, not just not creatives are just one of many, many jobs that could be replaceable. Um, and it's it's one of those things where it's like you really have to question, is there a benefit here? Because there are a lot of technologies where you don't want to be the only one not doing it. But with AI, there there are certain ways that, of course, I'm sure in terms of defense and in terms of certain things where you want to compete. But a lot of times it just seems like just being lazy. It's just giving more people the chance to be lazy. Self-driving and, uh, cars. That's going to put Teamsters out of work. It's going to put Uber drivers out of work, cab drivers out of work. Yeah. You can uh, sit in your car and look out the window, uh, have AI psychiatrists treat you while you're going somewhere. But you won't have anywhere to go because uh, AI is where you need to be. Yeah, it's well, pretty. It, I think people just have this tendency to sort of just want to assume everything's going to be OK. And uh, it's it's really easy for people to just put their heads in the sand and say that nothing bad can ever happen uh, because the world's I'm going to wake up every day and it's always going to be the same. And I just think that's a little bit. Well, naive. so tell me the upside social media. I remember when I first discovered Facebook and I remember saying This is like I've died and gone to heaven and I'm seeing all my old friends, people I had not seen in 20 years, 30 years, tracking down people. And I go, this is what this is amazing. And then I kind of lost interest in it because I realized there's a reason I haven't seen these people in 30 years. But is social media now the way it's portrayed, it's evil, it's addictive, it's spreads lies and misinformation is Facebook is Twitter as you know, it's good and bad, right? It's not. Yeah, Yeah, of course there's a lot of benefits from it. No one really expected social media to have the negative effect that it had, but anything this large, this world changing can be world changing and you can't really predict how that's going to be. And we have to really look at that and say, we are not guaranteed a future. And if we screw up enough, we can lose it. And 
we have to be adults about this and say we cannot just simply say any technology that exists should be pushed to its limit for its own sake. Right. And, you know, look, so Facebook tr- was fine once. Twitter. Making our grandparents racist. Yeah, Twitter. I'm amazed at the number of uh, Democrats who have stayed on Twitter who still use it. Do you still use Twitter? Do you still find it a good source of information? I'll look I only at use it. it. I, I, not in that way, no. What are you, what are you looking at? No, nothing. Uh, I was just saying, I don't use Twitter. Uh, I don't really read it that much. I just, I'll put out jokes if I want to. But yeah, I lost interest in Twitter as a, as a means of getting information. Yeah. He's losing advertising. It's down something like 60%. Could it go away? Meta um, is going to. I'd certainly like that. I think it'd have, be really funny if you did. Have you have you found any alternatives to Twitter? I mean, people use plenty of things. They use they use Facebook. They they use uh, Instagram. They use you know. I know there's other Twitter. Uh, you know, some people need the ability to have this you know exchange of ideas. I think, and um, I think that Twitter has been kind of ruined. It's what it feels like. And uh, something will probably naturally replace it um, because I still want people to be able to share ideas, people to share jokes and, and just talk and communicate. Um, you can do that on Instagram, but it's different. You can do it on TikTok, but it's different. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't think Twitter needs to continue to exist. It's not necessary. Neither was Vine. AI. Uh, last year, we were warned about virtual reality. That was the big thing that people were. It was going to be like Inception, where everybody was going to be able to put on a pair of goggles and create their own world. Apple last week unveiled their their virtual enhanced reality goggles. Yeah, but also like remember Chaucer Tales and how they said the same thing about people who read books. And that people who read books lose themselves and don't live in the real world and are flighty. Like, that's literally what reading was once thought of as. Right. But this is augmented reality. The idea that reality needs to be augmented, that you could be watching just games. That's just games. You know, that's just entertainment. It's not like a new life. It's cool. You can I can put a Mortal Kombat character in my living room. We can fight. That's just the new that's just a new generation of playing games. And seeing computer screens just in front of you like it's on the horizon without having to use a, a computer screen. Have you yeah. tried it? Have you tried the? I've used virtual reality um, and some of it does have augmented reality options, but I haven't used the new one. That's the next level. No, I'll try. I'll probably use it. I'll use it like a game and, I'll, and I don't think I'll be using it more than any other game that I've used, even if it's much. But it's advanced. total immersion in the game. Yeah. Yeah, just like just like VR, which I've done, which I played plenty of because my thumbs are screwed up, so I can't use regular video games in, in virtual reality. It's 360. You're completely no matter where you look, you're in that world. Yeah, that's already the way it is. Yeah, VR. You can look around. You can see the room you're in. And this one just keeps the room you're in. You stay the room, but then they put things in the room, which is already a thing that existed. This is just better technology for it. It's nothing. I don't think it's really that big a deal. Can you get lost? Do you you ever get lost in virtual reality where you don't know what's real or you can spend so much time? I mean, is it conceivable that, first of all, it's going to rewire a child's brain? 
Oh, of course it is. But everything we do does. You, you put those. Of- you put the goggles on a kid who's five or six, seven or eight, and they. I've I've seen my nephews get lost in video games for hours. These kids are going to get lost in virtual worlds where the mother right. and father but, aren't nagging. And but it's just like you said. It's just like they were already doing it with video games. But I don't this think there's is, really that big a difference. But this is a little deeper in. Yes, a it's little more immersive. Fa- immersive and farther away from reality. And if, sure. you can, if you can invent an alternative universe where things are exactly the way you want... I mean, you know, what, what was the television show? What was the television family you wanted to grow up in? The, um, I guess the Simpsons. I don't know. So, I mean, if I could create, uh, if, the, if Disney and Disney is partnering, partnering with Apple on this, if they can create a world where you're living in the world of the Simpsons, wouldn't you choose that over, you know, it's like opium. But I mean, I think it's just it's a it's just a somewhat more efficient system of entertainment because I really mean this. The what what you're saying right now, because people adapt at one point, a book was this insane new technology that could transport you to another world. And people did act like book readers in the times of Chaucer were uh, were flighty and were irresponsible and were. Well, we're, their time. We're, we're still banning books here in America. Then thank God we are. At least good people. So you're you're more frightened of AI than you are of virtual reality. Yes. I think one actually has a potential to really damage us in a way that the other doesn't. Yeah. Isn't there a, a psychological con- d- disassociative behavior where you you are not part where you are? You disassociate from reality and you're, you're like looking at the world but not a part of it. Don't you think virtual reality is going to create psychological conditions where people it very do- well may. I mean, the truth of it is it takes a lot more mental gymnastics. It takes more mental effort to read a book and create that in your mind than to simply experience an immersive world. So in that way, yes, I think we're depriving a lot of people of the kind of growth that they could get from having to work harder in their minds. OK, um, you and I are talking via Zoom. Correct. Uh, what would you, how would you feel if you discovered I'm not real? I'd be very relieved. Um, <laughs> it would, it would explain so much, uh, about the last few years. Wouldn't um, you feel, uh, scared and a little crazy and not knowing yeah. what the, what reality is? Wouldn't that? Sure. No, if that, if that was a real thing, then yeah, I think, and, and of course we are getting to the point where people are being tricked, you know, where the bet, where the, uh, uh, the Turing tests, uh, are getting passed. And that isn't, you know, we have to just look at this. Like we can't just be children running full speed ahead into the woods. We have to really examine what we're doing. Uh, it, yeah. And I think that just like, you know, VR should be, I think there's nothing, nothing wrong with it, but, you know, it should be regulated. It should be. And what and, about and I, in, inco- this, in the sense, like by parents, like, you know, you shouldn't just let your kid live in VR all day, just like you shouldn't let your kid watch TV all day. Well, that's easy for you to say. You don't, you know, you you're going to if you're a working mom and you, you're going to put the goggles on the kid for, you know, a nap. 
AI in VR. Does that scare you? Um, I'd rather it in VR than other places. Uh, to be honest, I, I think that AI and VR isn't really what I'm scared of. No, my fears of VR are specific to the fact that it could very easily replace a lot of jobs and be sentient and actually be dangerous for human beings. Okay. A lot of a lot of programmers have, have you know, voiced that concern. Pornography. Yeah. Nice. AI VR Pornhub. Mm -hmm. How does yeah. that work? And how soon? What is this going to do? It, it, what we're discovering now is more men than ever before are suffering from impotence. Not they're not having sex. Uh, some say it's because of pornography. What is going to happen, given the predilections of men? Given that you can you can put on a in in what in a year you're going to be able to put on a pair of goggles, and AI will give you a woman who will say and do whatever you want. Well, there you go. There's a big positive of AI getting a lot of men <laughs> off the streets. Well, I mean, you got to admit that sounds like a great world. Is where it? all the where, yeah, where all the incels just stay at home instead of you know taking it out on everyone else. Yeah, is I, it? I mean, do we really need that many people? Do we need every man out there getting married and having kids? Is it so bad if a few million dudes just stay at home and do what they were already doing and just watch porn and don't bother women? So have they? Is it still a boiled orange or what? What? What, what is the? What do you mean? Like, I never believed that men actually use blow-up dolls. I always thought blow-up dolls were for office parties, you know, as jokes. Like, hey, right. look who I brought. I hope you don't mind. I brought my girlfriend. Well, we have, well, because you, you don't need a blow-up doll to, you know, masturbate. But nobody really uses a blow-up doll. But then I was told, yes, Probably they not. do. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I know that there are men who use, like, the real dolls, right? That's like the, the later. I'm sure back in the day. It probably was a little more common, but I don't think they ever really developed blow up dolls to be that efficient. Now, but now yeah. there are dolls, right? Yeah. No, they're like expensive. They've been around for a long time. The, the, the real dolls, those like basically half robot women uh, that people are masturbating with. But at the same time, there have been arguments that masturbation itself was going to make men extinct. Was make, was going to ruin the world because men, if they could, if they found out they could masturbate, they wouldn't go out. I mean, that's what, isn't that what like Kellogg believed? The the brand guy, yeah, the guy who was obsessed with stopping people from masturbating. And it's like it, it just seems like you know, I think uh, I think men, even in that world, are still going to want to have sex with real women. And if they don't, fine. We have too many people and too many horny guys bothering too many people. But you do admit that the brain gets rewired by technology. Oh, yeah. Brain gets rewired every generation. I mean, in the last several generations, yeah. And there is talk of a population implosion that we may not have enough people on the planet. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I am fine with the idea of the population going down overall. I think this idea that we have to constantly make more people so the population grows for the economy as if there's no ceiling to how many people can be on the earth is insane. Okay. I have no problem with people just wanting to stay at home if they're not bothering anybody. Dave Cyrus, comedy genius. Are you hitting the clubs or are you doing the roast battles? 
I'm going to do a little bit of those. Yeah. Um, actually, on June 22nd, I'm judging the roast battle at New York Comedy Club at night at, at like 11. And then around like eight, I'm doing the stand. Great. Yeah. Come back. Thank you, Dave right. Cyrus. I love you, Dave. I love you, too. Thank you.